Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everybody, it's Brian. Thanks for tuning in. If you're ready to buy or sell a home in Pierce, South King, or Snohomish County, please check out John Hurlbutt and his team over at Altitude Homes. John's an old friend and someone I know you can trust. He will also donate $500 to Ben's Fund for every closed transaction. I know how hard it is to find a real estate agent who has your best interests in mind. John can be that guy for you and benefit a great cause to boot. Check them out on the web at altitude-re.com slash hb. Again, altitude-re.com slash hb. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. That's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to what is it like the 154th episode of Real Hawk Talk, something crazy like that. Uh, this is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, uh, and I'm joined by people I vaguely recognize. Uh, really, really excited to be back. Um, one of the differences between our show and, and, you know, we try to be humble in general, at least some of us, but, um, you know, Dana is a little bit arrogant, but we won't go into that. So, uh, but we, we broadcast when we've got something to say and we broadcast when we want to talk, we don't just do it out of obligation. Like we don't just do it because we have to. And I think it shows honestly, like when I listen to the shows where it's like people have to come up with material every day or every week, especially during the downtime, it feels a little forced. So the one thing you will always be able to count on, whether you agree with that or not, is when we're on, we're actually happy to be here. We're looking forward to talking to each other. We're looking forward to connecting with all of you and looking forward to talking about the Seahawks. So we're back. We are back, bitches. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it. So uh, with me is uh, just a rock star crew, rock star crew. Um, start with Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons on Twitter up there holding the fort in Canada while the border's still closed. How are you doing, my friend? Uh, pr- pretty good for the most part. I got my second vaccine last week, so. Congrats. That was a bit, we, we in Canada were a little slow on those. We're starting to come around. Um, we're at a lockdown now, so it's been good. I'm able to go outside. I'm able to see my family again. That's been really good. Um, I'm excited to talk to you guys. It feels like it's been forever. Like. We talk in our little chat here, but like, feels like it's been months. And I know Evan was just sort of saying this before the show, but I, I couldn't agree more. I don't. I know it's the dead period of the football season, but like just the mini camps and the OTAs, and it sort of reignited my football love. And it's easy to get down on this team with the Jamal Adams stuff and all the other stuff going on. But having that was really exciting again. So I'm excited to talk to you guys again. It feels like again, it feels like it's been forever uh dana at dana og on twitter um last time i was talking to you you had some big stuff going on like you're building houses and all sorts of crazy stuff like (laughs) what's going on with you man are you uh yeah we did we built a house we moved um 
we sold our other house for a ridiculous amount of money who anyone who knows who's buying or selling a house right now, it's good, kind of a good market for the sellers. But um, yeah, we had a really busy off season like it, that. And then of course you guys know I'm a soccer freak. And so we're out, you know, at the soccer matches all the time. And so it's been busy, but I think Jeff, you're absolutely right. It was the mini camp. It was like, Oh, it's almost time for football. Like I had kind of just shuffled it away a little bit. Um, over at our turf, we're not near as busy during the off season. We kind of rejuvenate during the off season. And so now we're kicking back in because it's time. It, it feels like football is just around the corner, but truly it's just a month away before we get to training camp. And that's crazy to me. It, it is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. crazy. It's sneaking up on all of us. Uh, and uh, that brings us to uh, the, the fourth. The most fourth. attractive you yes. saved for last. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, am I introducing myself? Is that what? <laughs> um, so <laughs> at Evan Hill HB on Twitter, um, dude, it is so good to see you. How, how are you doing? I am. I am doing so freaking well. I, I was going to say that's a really kind and nice intro to set us up in terms of we only, you know, podcast when we want to talk to each other. But I, I feel like that's a code phrase translation for I can only handle so much of Evan so much. <laughs> so we need to space out my exposure to him. You know, I, I am skilled in the, the forms of uh, manager talk. Uh, manager speak. Uh, I know how to make anything positive. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> there, there might be a little truth in there. No, I, I have never, ever been unhappy to see you or to talk to you. I have been unhappy with some of the things you say, but that's, that's, that's completely different. Fair. <laughs> um, how are, you know, I question for Dana and a question for Evan, Dana, mm -hmm. you know, how does it feel to have the inferior soccer team in the MLS? I mean, the Sounders haven't lost yet. Are you okay? Like, how are you holding up? I, I, I'm good because we're just right behind you. We're just right behind you. It's pretty, okay I'm a Sporting Kansas us. City fan. I love my sports. I love Sporting Kansas City. I absolutely love them. But my son is a crazed Sounders fan. And so okay. between the two of us, we kind of go back and forth a little bit. But um. But yeah, we're doing we're doing okay. okay. We'll Dana, come in September when we have to pay. Hold up, hold up, Dana. Are you watching the Portland Trailblazers this week? Oh, oh wait, oh wait, they're not playing this week. I was going to ask. <laughs> you oh, oh, but, oh! Only good oh, basketball right. teams when, are still when playing. When the Suns play? Have they played yet? Right. <laughs> Suns in five, as I've been <laughs> saying forever. Suns in five, baby. As a long time Phoenix uh -huh. Suns fan, uh -huh. long time. Yeah. Good for you. A long time Suns fan, Evan Hill. So um, let's, let's switch to talk about the Seahawks a little bit. Uh, you know, I'm curious. Uh, first question I have for all of you, like there's been, a, there's been a fair amount that's gone on um, since we last spoke. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to start by sharing like the thing for me of all the news that like has me excited of all the news was when I got the little notification on my phone that we've got confirmation that Lumen Field will be full capacity for the upcoming season, no masks, like all in, baby. I am so excited to get back to football, to go inside a stadium, to go pregame at bars, drinking like crazy, eating nachos, like gaining even more than the COVID-19 I've already gained. It's going to be awesome. So that and I just got to stop there real quick there for you. Yeah, I, I don't I, I I have to hit this point home and we've talked about it previously on the show. But for those of you who do not know Brian in real life, there's this strange dichotomy <laughs> with his Twitter, YouTube podcasting personality and then the game day, Brian. They are two polar opposite individuals. This is a man that, you know, prides himself on rationality and well thought out logic on the internet and good, thoughtful, you know, wise argument, you know, blog posts. This man is a monster on Seahawks football days. He is an absolute monster. You do not want to encounter this man if the Seahawks lose or are struggling mid game. Avoid this man. He, he is a terror. 
He's a it, terror among Seahawks fans. You're, you're not wrong. And, and this is, I'm part of the reason Evan doesn't go to football games anymore. <laughs> He's like, I think I'm just going to stay home. Uh, like that's uh, a little bit much like dial it back. Uh, you're right, man. It is, it is an outlet for me. And uh, I love it. I love every minute of it. I love No, and I fully respect it. I want to be yeah. super clear. It's phenomenal. I love that part of you. I just wish more people got to see that part of you because it is entertaining. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, it's, it's reserved for the private few, um, but it is a fun time. So I'm curious, though, like of all the news that's broke, um, I think I know, Dana, what your answer is. But oh really? Yes, you were you were sending notes to us about it today, but maybe I'm wrong that it's the thing that you're most excited about. So yeah, I, I am I am pretty excited about the extra helmet. I'm not gonna lie, I have no. wanted those throwback uniforms for so long. They just are so cool looking. And I'm not going to say when we got, when, when Seattle switched to the uniforms that they have now, I was like, thank God. Cause the ones before them were just horrific, right? The worst, the shiny, creepy blue. Like I hated that. Right. But to know that I will say this though, to, to know that we, that there's a possibility to get those silver helmets back out and get those uniforms back out. is great. But it was interesting. I saw on Twitter today, there's an argument you have to dump either wolf gray or action green. And I am dump action green all day long. Dana. I don't like it. I know Dana. I like the gray better. Wait, hold up. So do you have to, is that like the you rule? You only have three. Huh. I thought that's what I read is that you could only have three. Am I wrong? Not sure. I'm not challenging I you. I just, sure I didn't either. see. Yeah. I, just I did that. read that today, but it's the internet. For the Got sake it. of good conversation, if you could, if you, if that is the rule and you had yeah. to drop, I want to know which like, it, and if any of you say action green other than Dana, like I, I'm going to be polite a little bit to Dana, but just be very polite. <laughs> I, what are you talking about? Action green. Oh. Jeff, what are you going to say? I'm already I getting like ready. The, to like the Joey Galloway, Sean Springs jersey. I think that's my favorite Seahawks jersey. So which would you throw out? The white one. There's a very clear answer to this. And what? I, I just want to can... be clear about this, guys. Like the wolf gray has got to go. I the wolf gray has got to go. It, it is the most, it is the most, I don't care if they always win in it. It is the most visually unappealing thing to look at. I would rather watch a Seahawks game and not the wolf gray and have them lose than watch the wolf gray for a full three and a half hours and have them gray win. tops with the blue bottoms. Oh yeah, that, that's God. Cool. I want to puke all over my TV. Oh, well, I'm not going all the way there with you that I'd rather watch them lose than werewolf gray. I'm not there at all, but I never got the obsession with wolf gray. There are people that are died in the wool wolf gray fans. I always thought it just looked like dirty white. It like never looked like it's not white. It's not really gray. It's just kind of like dingy. So like I've never been a wolf gray fan. Action green, on the other hand. It hurts the retinas. It's ah, so bright. There is no doubt when you Seahawks come on the field in, in action green. And I think they're like undefeated times 10 in those uniforms. So like easy, easy choice. Yeah, but dude, then Bobby Wagner replied to this. I think it was Corbin that said that I was putting this out there. Bobby Wagner says we're pushing for blacks. Oh, that would be no. I, I no. What if it's black what? jerseys with like the lime green? With the green, How many black jerseys are out there. There's too many black jerseys. I think no. Okay. But why is that, Dana? It's a fantastic. It's lack common. Of color. It's not it's, a color. It's, it's a lack of it's lime. Then. There, what, it's Jeff? common. It's the slimming color. It's good for the offensive linemen. <laughs> trying to make the big boys look teeny. That's why I'm wearing black. Uh, Not a fan. Can you but I will say in this conversation, cap. in this conversation, Action Green was winning. People wanted to keep the green. Good. So there are more people on your side. Dana, can't you imagine DK Metcalf in a black uniform with like green highlights i mean he oh so bad keep going brian oh, keep going go. brian no, not keep again. going brian <laughs> we're almost there i don't <laughs> dislike black uniforms i love the falcons blacks they're beautiful but there is just common there's too many of them i i we don't need to go with the blacks okay all right all right so dana bringing up you know the potential for the throwbacks i saw a lot of people excited about that mm. jeff 
of all yeah. the things that have gone on, what's the thing that's like stood out to you? You're most excited about got you thinking about football. Okay. So I'm one of these guys that will totally convince himself in any off season storyline. It's weird. I'm not like this with my other teams. My other teams are really bad. I was tweeting Evan about that the other day. The other teams I follow like are really bad. So the Seahawks are the one team where like, I just convinced myself into everything. And the one thing I've totally convinced myself and this might fall on our face is Shane Waldron. Ah, and the Shane Waldron storyline to me is the, by far the most interesting storyline because the comments you're hearing from the players are just pretty remarkable. Cause really one of the biggest knocks that I've had with Pete Carroll and it's very different than what other people have had is that I, I don't think he's surrounded himself with good enough assistant coaches, Daryl Bevel, Brian Schoenheimer. They're, they're, they're competent coordinators, but they're not, no one would call them like a high upside coach. And I, I remember Albert Brewer wrote this a couple of weeks ago that a lot of people from the Shanahan tree have thought for a while. So between hearing that and then hearing the players, I'm totally bought into this and maybe I'm making a mistake, but to me, this is the thing that raises the ceiling on this team more than anything right now. And Brian's talked about how the Ram scheme is really the perfect fit for Russell. So hearing what we've heard for about all the different players and how they've talked about Waldron and just the feedback so far, I'm really excited about it. It might be total bullshit and it might be just be player speak, but I am very excited about the change here. And I wasn't the biggest Schottenheimer guy. So having a high upside offensive coordinator to me is a really fun part of the season that we really haven't had in this whole regime. Evan, you're going to have to write down whatever your answer was to my question about the thing you're most excited about. Cause we're going to spend a little time on Shane Waldron here. Okay. So I don't trust you. I don't even have an answer because I, like well, I've been on Twitter. Time to think Evan's like, it. I hate everything still. <laughs> Let's talk about Shane Waldron because like, I don't know, Evan, Dana, how much you read about some of the things that people were saying, right? Um, we heard from Tyler Lockett. We heard from Will Disley. I think we heard from Gerald Everett. I think we heard from DK Metcalf, um, Russell Wilson. Uh, and I'm probably missing some people, obviously Pete Carroll, but players, right? And some of the comments I remember was just, uh, it's varied. I think we heard a lot about pace and tempo and that they're going to be able to operate at a tempo that they haven't done before. I think that they talked about a little bit more freedom um, in, in the offense and that it's going to be harder to predict um, more variability and, and matchups. Those are some of the things I heard smart. Like, you know, I heard, I think I heard somebody utter like genius. Like he's, he's like, he's a guru. Um, and that got me pretty excited. Like when, you know, when players are, are saying, look, look, we could say it's early, did anyone say anything approaching that about Brian Schottenheimer when he got hired or about Daryl Bevel when he was hired at any time? No. I think there was a lot of positive comments about yeah. Schottenheimer after he was hired. A lot of, you know, excited to have new influx of ideas, blah, blah, blah. But I think that this level is a little different. And I don't know... Um, like we've said, like, like Jeff said, we don't know if it's bullshit or not, if they're just saying that to, to say it, but it does seem to be definitely wrenched up a notch in this. Evan, how are you feeling about your boy, Russell Wilson's new, new OC? Like, I mean, it's a big deal. Maybe the biggest off season addition of anything the Seahawks did. Yeah. I just pulled up a quote from Lockett where he said, uh, the change in the up-tempo is mostly a faster huddle. So for those calling him a guru, anybody that gets this offense to the line of scrimmage before, you know, five seconds left with <laughs> the clock winding down, that's a big step of improvement for this team. You're saying it like in a smart-ass tone, but it is absolutely But it's actually true. a thing. Like, it's completely ridiculous that this has been an issue for, like, Russell Wilson's entire career. But yeah. let's break let's break down for a second why because it sounds a little smart alecky but it's true. So so what people might not know, I think a lot of folks do, but but it was well known that Sean McVay was in Jared Goff's ear all the way up until the microphone gets cut off and I believe it's at 14 seconds left on the the play clock. I might be wrong, but I think it's 14 seconds. And so what they would do, the it, everyone gets it cut off at the same time. The Seahawks would always be in the huddle at that point. 
the Rams would be at the line of scrimmage. And why does that matter? Because now you see the alignment of the defense. You know what they're doing. And you have a chance to actually help your quarterback. Like, there's no reason to just assume the quarterback has – I mean, he can be great. But there's no reason that you don't want to collaborate on getting the offense into the best possible chance to succeed. So get to the goddamn line of scrimmage. Like, it's so frustrating. And how many times do we see the Seahawks get to the line of scrimmage late and then see something they didn't expect and then take a timeout? Like, mm-hmm. infuriatingly stupid stuff. So I, I think it's a big deal. There's, like, actual data behind this, too. I'm reading, like, a field goals article on this where it says – with time left on the play clock, with the, the play starting quarters one through three, um, so excluding the fourth quarter, the Seahawks are like bottom five with starting the play on average with time left on the play clock. So I'm not sure if that makes sense, but like the stats absolutely validate <laughs> the emotions behind this. And and who is and who is that indicative of? Is that Russ? Is it Schottenheimer? Is it Pete? Like where do you think that that delay comes from? I think it's coaching. Yeah. I think it's absolutely coaching. Uh, to me, it doesn't make any sense why the quarterback would ever say, let's stay in the huddle as long as possible. <laughs> like maybe Russell is like a slow speaker in the huddle. And we I mean, we, ha- we got to give know? Russ credit on this though. Hasn't he been like calling for up tempo for yes. like, multiple years now? Like whether or not he may be executing to the full best of his ability, that's a different question, but at least he's been vocalizing it, right? You yeah, know, it's interesting. yeah, go ahead, Jeff. Well, it's funny. I, I saw, I think it was Derek who wrote that it's sort of an off-season meme now that anyone getting excited about up-tempo and no huddle, it's kind of a joke now because it never ends up happening. But to me, I actually think there's real reasons for optimism here because of how good the Rams were running that. When they were saying up-tempo, that was assuming that Pete and Shoddy could do it, which is a reason to, to laugh at it. But if you look at how the Rams run their offense – they have a guy coming from that exact staff. So I think there's actual reasons to be excited about this rather than in the past where it was sort of just words that Russell was saying that sort of went one in your ear and went out the other. And, and what sad to what Evan was saying, if you remember, there was an incident in last year's playoff game where Pete and Shoddy were fighting over a fourth down play call and they couldn't get the play in on time. So that was a big issue of why they might've been struggling to get out of the huddle. That might've been, two coaches in each other's ear, who's one making decisions. I think the most optimistic thing I've heard to add to this even more is that Pete said he's sort of been hands-off on the offense so far. Mm-hmm, I did read that. Yes. And I have not gotten in his way because he has so such command of what he's doing. We'll see what happens after they lose a game or after they don't run enough. But that to me is a very notable comment, what Evan just said. Can I, can I say something though, too, from what I've heard, and this will be much to Nathan's chagrin because we know how much Nathan loves a good run game. But I do think that when P was talking about Waldron's offense and the run game, they sound like they could be quite complimentary. It's not like they're going to go out and run the ball. What did he say? 50 times a game or whatever that a fast up, you know, up pace tempo can actually really benefit the run game too. And so it'll be interesting to see whether it's in probably not in preseason, but those first four games to see how that balance really does kind of work itself out. Well, and, and in defense of the anti-run uh, contingent Nathan, out fine. there, <laughs> I think even they would say that if you're going to run, run smart and right. run when there's a light box and when you have an advantage and part of the Rams offense is designed to force defenses to have to make that decision. And for the, that's part of why getting to the line of scrimmage early helps you have an option of actually, yeah, check to the run or check to the pass. Like you just have more variability and and control there. It's not that complicated. It's like count the guys in the box and make a call. Like, and and for whatever reason, the Seahawks disadvantage themselves. And I'm going to keep harping on this tempo thing because I think there's other things that people might not realize that are effects of that. First of all, tempo doesn't always mean no huddle. And it doesn't mean like constant, like just running the line of scrimmage. It can just be getting the line of scrimmage faster. And what does that mean? What has to happen for that to happen? The play actually has to get in. You can't get the line of scrimmage without the play being called. Mm -hmm. They have to have been in the huddle or something to call the play. So Seahawks have had trouble either with Pete interfering or with communication or with just whatever 
getting the plays in has been an issue. And so this is going to force that even if they're late now, the time that they're planning to get the play in is earlier and they'll have more chances to potentially avoid delay game penalties like we've seen. The other thing is substitutions have to be done earlier or they do less of them. We will not see, knock on wood, we will not see the Seahawks lineup with a chance to win the NFC West at the one-inch line and have a delay of game penalty because they're trying to figure out if Marshawn Lynch should substitute in or not. Yeah. That won't happen in this kind of offense. And like, it, at least it's significantly less likely to happen. And, and I mean, I, I just think in general, anything you can do to have a simpler offense that, that is getting to the, the line faster, more decisiveness. Um, I think that looks very different than the Seahawks we've seen. And so, yeah, I, I mean, not to mention Chris Carson, you know, running into guys, you know, that are, are a little more winded um, DK Metcalf running by guys that are a little more winded. Sounds good. I'll take it. Yeah. I'll definitely take it. And to add to what Dana was saying, um, a lot of people seem to forget that the Sean McVay offense comes from the Shanahan tree. And the thing that Shanahan's offenses do so well is the run game and the pass game are married together. What's been so frustrating about the Seahawks offense and why there's been this run versus pass, it's almost seemed like they've been disconnected where the pass game is just counteracting the run game. They've never really worked off each other well. And there's just been a total disconnect. And it's war. There's almost been this war on Twitter where the Seahawks go run, run, pass, which again makes passing harder and makes running harder. So what with, and I remember Pete was on the Rich Eisen show and me and Dana were talking about this when it happened. The thing he kept mentioning is how much Shane Waldron and the offense reminded him of early days of Mike Shanahan. Mm -hmm. So those, that's the offense he's coming from. And that's the offense where they do a lot formationally and they do a lot to, to again, marry the run in the pass game where running is not disadvantageous and actually makes sense in a lot of cases. So that's, if the offense works like that, that's going to be great for Chris Carson. That's going to be great for DK Metcalf. It's going to be even better for Russ because the looks are going to be much more confusing. So if they're able to run the offense like that, where everything is connected and everything's married, unlike last year where they were really, really good vertically, that was Sean Heimer's strength, but they couldn't really do anything else consistently. There's a lot of upside for this offense that really they can get to levels they haven't been. Dana and Jeff, there is another storyline. And Jeff, you've been harping on this, but I think it was a I think it was one of the less heralded ones out of camp. Um, you've been talking about how important the tight ends are in this offense for the Rams. Two tight end offense, what the tight ends are gonna be asked to do. We all know Gerald Everett was one of the big offseason pickups, but the other name that kind of has been lost to some extent is Will Disley. And if people were kind of like, all right, he's been injured a few times. And last year, he just didn't seem like the same, quite the same player, at least the same impact player. There was, Disley was pretty clear. He just wasn't, he wasn't there last year. He was not fully. And how many times have we seen players go through a serious injury and it's not the year that they come back. It's the following year where they're, they, and he said, I feel like I'm back. Like he, I don't remember his exact words, but that was the gist of it. And Disley was an impact player on that offense. He was Russell's one of his favorite targets. And so I, I think the idea, um, Dana, of Will Disley, Gerald Everett as your top two with Colby Parkinson as a third, um, I think is a pretty underrated storyline for what the Seahawks season could, could see coming up. It is. I'm real pissed at Will Disley. I'm not going to lie. I ha I'm having a, a personal. Oh, from the soccer that. tweet? Yeah. Ah, okay. And this boy's from Montana. So, right. Like, I want to always stick up for him because I'm from Montana originally. And so I'm like, come on, right. Stick up for this. So don't sound like an idiot. He sounded like an idiot. So I'm a little irritated at Will Disley, but I do completely agree with what you said. I think that having a strong tight end group, because we just have to remember that. Last year, what did Russell do? He threw the ball down the field, threw the ball down the field, always to DK, always to DK, double team, triple, right? And then Tyler, and they didn't have all the, they didn't have any way to spread it out or they didn't, one or the other, you know? But so when you look at it, 
having a strong tight end group can really kind of change the look of that. And it can really kind of change the feel of it. We, we complained a lot last year, you guys, that no one was coming across the middle, that they weren't doing these short passes. They are always trying to throw for the end zone. And I think that Everett specifically and a healthy Disley, because I do think he's a solid player. I'm not going to say he's a great tight end, but he's a solid tight end. I think that that could change a lot of that. Um, and I think that's why so many people were excited about Gerald coming in to the, and in the off season, that that could really kind of change that a bit. Well, Evan could tell you, you know, like George Kittle is no Will Disley, but, but, uh, <laughs> Evan, I was going to say, I'm just excited to watch a Seahawks offense with, you know, a high powered tight end because the Seahawks have never had that before. Like they've never had a competent tight end one. So God, do you remember how excited we all were? Well, I wasn't. Brian was not. Brian was not. Jimmy Graham. I was so, I was running around my living room. I was so excited. And three games in, I'm like, well, this is not what I thought. Ever, ever, ever prioritize finesse over strength (laughs) in a game of gladiator strength. So, um, yeah, Evan, speaking of, speaking of which, uh, there were some other storylines. I don't know any, any that stuck out to you. Um, uh, Daryl Taylor, go ahead. Can I ask a couple of questions? Yeah, I'd love it. I'm, go, go for because it. I'm out of the I'm loop. Carrying this li- whole show, dude. Help me out here. Do I'm something. out of the loop a little bit on Seahawks news. <laughs> so I'm just recently back to Twitter. So I need some, you know, quick answers. Number one, uh, so Jamal Adams wasn't at OTAs. Yes. Was that excused or not? It was excused. Yes, it was excused. he had a family. Okay, so it was not truly contract related. Nope. Suppose. <laughs> I don't think so. now here here's the reason why I don't think so excuse me for butting in I'm sorry yeah I don't think it was solely contract related because he was posting pro Seahawk stuff the entire time now that could be a good he posted game. the other day his agent was probably so pissed why would what he did when the the story came out that the Seahawks fans are back he posted some like all exclamation oh thing like I mean, can't wait to play and of the 12 agent was probably like oh jamal you idiot they're gonna pay him it's not even a question it sounds like it's yeah it doesn't sound like a hostile thing going on right yeah not at all okay um question number two how bad is the eskridge injury not bad i'm bad not bad he was back before the end of camp oh okay okay because i saw the tweet that was like big toe injury or something. And I was like, yeah, Oh, no, Oh, tough. it probably meant literally like the big toe. No, oh, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I read that tweet from Joe fan and I was like, big toe injury. No, but I didn't realize it, it was like, Evan, thank you. I just realized that your contributions, uh, quick, quick shout out to Joe fan. Uh, you know, That's people hilarious. that didn't hear, uh, I think NBC Northwest lost the Blazers uh, games to Root Sports, and so they've had to downsize a little bit, and Joe's not going to be covering the Seahawks for them, um, which is a huge, huge loss for us as fans. And uh, Joe's a great guy. I think, if not the best beat guy on, on the, the, the group, he's, he's right up there. And uh, I heard he was on KJR today doing a... Mm-hmm. Doing some guest hosting yeah, tomorrow, I think. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that'll, maybe that'll, uh, that'll stick. But uh, yeah, wishing Joe the best. Definitely a fan of the pod, uh, a friend of the pod. So, um, but yeah, like you bring up Eskridge, mm-hmm. wide receiver. I gotta say, it's feeling a little thin. The Penny Hart, was, Penny Hart was the big story in camp. Not buying it not buying it all like penny hart's a fine like fifth receiver special teams guy whatever i just i, mean, I guess i have to see eskridge to feel okay about it but other than lockett and metcalf i still look at that group i mean freddie swain like i think number three receiver is is it is this probably one of the biggest questions on the team going into to training camp would it wow I'm like kind of surprised to hear you say that. Like you really don't think Eskridge is just going to slot right in there or kind of be the default guy. Look, I mean, there's been some successful rookie receivers of late for sure. sure. But the, the book on, on receivers in general has been, it does take them a couple of years to adjust to the NFL and to, to really hit, you know, be an impact player. And 
I so I have a question yeah. for you then considering Seattle's limited draft capital this past year and, and moving forward and next year, is it a disappointment to you if Eskridge doesn't slide in right at that wider wide receiver three spot and start there week one? Yeah, I think he's the guy with the biggest upside, right? That we, that we know of on the team so far for, for yeah. that position. Um, I mean, I still golden Tate's still out there. And, and honestly, I would feel a lot better if Golden Tate was on this roster. He's still unsigned. Mm-hmm. There's so many people still unsigned. It's kind yeah. of amazing. A lot of guys are Seahawks ties too. So KJ Wright didn't sign anywhere yet, did he? No, that's, it doesn't oh. sound, it sounds like the door is almost closed on that one. I think he's going to end up in Dallas, but that's just me. But I, I just don't know what's going to happen. I think he might retire. I mean, like, yeah, like I think, I no, Dallas drafted two linebackers. There's no room for it. Oh, that's true. They did, didn't they? Which is weird because he balled out last season. He was like, we all argued he was among, he's at least the most consistent defender for the Seahawks. And you could say he was the best defender for the Seahawks last season. So it is odd that he's just not finding a job anywhere, but he is older. Unless he's just being like super strict about what he thinks he's worth. Right. Or where he wants to play. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, the rest of you feel better about receiver. Like you're, you'd be, you're, you're okay heading into camp with what we've got. Go ahead, can we, Evan, go first. Go ahead. Can oh. we list out like the entire group? Does somebody have the positional yes. list? I, I will bring up the roster here. I'll um, say that I'm, I'm comfortable with that scourge. I think he slots in very nicely as a third receiver. If he gets hurt, I do think the depth could be a little better. I'm with Brian. I'm not buying the Penny Hart thing so much. He's a fifth or sixth receiver at best. So Brian doesn't buy the Penny Hart thing. But he stand Malik Taylor till his death. Yeah, Malik Taylor was a solid receiver. So <laughs> here's the guy that you should be excited about, Connor <laughs> Weddington. Connor Weddington uh, out of Stanford. I know a lot of guys are excited about him. Uh, there's John Ursua, 75 years old. He's got, uh, he hurt already. He did get hurt. He's old. People. He did. Hurt. He got hurt in OTAs. Yeah. yeah. Like arthritis. Dude, he's got like a geriatric player. He's gonna pull yeah. something. So. Um, Travis Toivonen sounds like a hockey player that's from North Dakota. So, I mean, he's clearly... he should be a hockey player. Yeah, from North Dakota. Like... <laughs> are you sure he's not on the Kraken? Uh, Cody Thompson. Um, I feel like my name's going to be listed here in a second. Like, Tamorian Terry. <laughs> who are um, these people? Who a lot of people creative. like out of Florida. Yeah, people like him. But Freddie Swain, which we know, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, we know those guys. Darvin Kidsey. That's not a real Undrafted free. <laughs> Cade Johnson out of South Dakota State. People like him too. Penny People do Hart, like him. Penny Hart. Aaron Fuller, uh, the Husky. Dwayne Eskridge. And that's it. I mean, you cannot tell me that you're feeling like, yeah, that receiver crew is stocked. There's no let, way. Let me say this. I, I couldn't figure out the, the, the appeal of Eskridge right away to, to P and John, because I did not realize that a, he was a track player and we all know, or a track star. And so we all know how that they love that, but he also has played defense that makes him unique. Pete's favorite thing. He's unique. He's a unique player. He's very versatile. He's unique. And I was I like, like damn it. I, I think he'll be fine. Pete, I, I think he'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, Pete, Carroll, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll has just ruined. cracked me up that there had to be a reason. You know, that's always the reason with Pete. And so that made me laugh. But I think he was okay. I mean, people seem to be somewhat impressed with the things. I mean, not that OTAs count for anything, right? But but that he was picking things up and, and had... Um, was what did well in OTAs. He didn't look like a sore thumb, but you know, he had a pretty good college career. I mean, it was a smaller school, but still, you know, he, he did some things that caught, you know, their eyes and he's versatile and he's yeah, like a special a player. He's unique. Like it's nothing like Corey Davis went to Western Michigan. Greg right. Jennings went to Western Michigan. There's been multiple guys that have come out of there have been instant impact players in the NFL. Sure. There's been a lot of guys who've come out of the MAC. T.Y. Hilton, I think, was in that conference. Antonio mm-hmm. Brand was in that conference. I don't think there's going to be a big jump. There's certain questions. He's a, he's an older player. Which right. is what are you going to say, Evan? I was just going to say Pete Carroll ruined the word versatility for me. 
<laughs> Every time I hear that word now, I'm like traumatized. Like, well, the worst, it's the worst with offensive linemen. When like, yeah. Well, I can play like three different positions, but he can't play one really well. I just can't handle it. The word causes me trauma. I'm like triggered by it now. It's true. It's true. I, look, I guess I'm not down on Eskridge. That's not it. I just think this is a team that like. You're worried about the depth. I get that. Well, I'm, I'm worried about assuming Eskridge is going to be the guy mm-hmm. like there's no competition like clear to me clear competition Freddie Swain like these other guys they can push him but like as much as I like Swain he does not have the upside of a guy that I see pushing Lockett or Metcalf and that's the level of receiving talent I think you want as your third receiver is someone who actually like given the chance could push your one of your starters if you have a good role player who can just fit that role, great. That's why I guess I guess I'd like to have at least one guy on the roster where you know exactly what that person could bring. And that's why I like Golden Tate. He's not the Golden Tate of old. He's not going to do everything, but you have a pretty good idea of what he can bring. And there's a floor, I think, to what Golden Tate is. And he's also pretty darn durable. So like That's true. I just would feel more comfortable about the makeup of the roster if they had someone like that. Um, but by the way, I was a hundred percent. We ever wanted to do a show about Julio Jones. Like we haven't been on since that, that whole thing went on. I was like lifetime. nothing burger. Like I'm not going to do a show about that. I've that's a, that there's no reason for that for the Seahawks to do that move, but I still would like them to have a, a better third receiver. Um, anyone want to say anything about Julio Jones? since I brought that up happy he's in is where do you end up tennessee where do you end up russell i love you but like shut up on the personnel stuff like, <laughs> like you know he's not lying. i haven't texted me that the day the rumor came out like russell cool your jets a little bit <laughs> You just want to see Russell doing those deep squats. I know it. <laughs> oh, you see that video the other day? Oh my God. Daddy Russell. Good Lord. Oh my God. Uh, hey, can we, can we talk about Russell for just a minute? I, um, I know he wasn't our favorite subject before because of all the drama, but I have to say after watching his press conference, it was a very well put together scripted, but I thought he, answered the questions as directly as he could without coming out and say, yeah, I was pissed. And I told them to do this, that, and the other. I thought that he, he Russell Wilson that pretty well, but it, it felt a little more genuine to me than some of the other overly glossed things that we've gotten out of him. Um, and I think that that might have calmed some people's, um, fears with him, at least for this season, of course, you know, it's going to start all over again next off season. But, um, I, after that, um, I was also very grateful to Mr. Diva in Green Bay for taking the realm of I'm not going to play for my and kind of getting the focus off Russell. But I did. I, 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 I was in, somewhat impressed with that press conference. I have to say the worst moment of camp for me was the Russell putting his head into Pete's press conference. <laughs> oh, God. So that they were friends still. It was. It was was cringy that that was trying too hard. Um, There were, there were a couple bits of news I want to bring up. So one um, big, big news, Michael Dixon signed an extension. Our punter is going to be around. So, you know, forever lowered his cap hit. Uh, I know I haven't got excited about that. Um, Two other guys I'm going to name both who I think, well, one, I think I know we'll get uh, Evan excited. Marquise Blair. Had a good camp or had a good OTA. Uh, and the word is that he is assumed to be the leader of the pack for the nickel corner position. Ooh. That's interesting to me. Like, I think it's great news. I uh, I just have assumed that he was going to be part of the outside corner um, battle. And maybe that'll still emerge. But like Ugo Amadi was was really solid in nickel. And, and I am curious how that how that will play out. So that's one topic you guys can choose if you want to. The other, let's just do a quick buying or selling on Robert Kamdichi. Buy or sell. So one of the stories is this guy was out of football last year, like basically was overweight and people just didn't buy it. He athletic freak, but 
he seems he's got the new lease on life. He's got top 10 pick physical gifts. He's got bottom five pick, you know, mental makeup. Um, and that's led to a pretty disappointing career. He's playing inside at defensive tackle. Pete mentioned him and the way he moves, the energy he's bringing, the attitude he's got. Buying or selling, Jeff, Robert, Robert, Robert Kamdichie. This is what I was talking about before. I totally convinced myself into all of these stories. Like my heart, my brain says it's like 80% chance he doesn't make the team, but I'm going, I'm totally in on this right now. I've totally convinced myself. This is a good idea. Even though like logical Jeff is like, that is a stupid thing to get excited about, but yeah, I've convinced myself in the last week that he's going to be good. So I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to say that he makes the team and he, he actually is okay for one year, sort of like when Mike Williams came back and was pretty good for a year before all he fizzled out pretty quick. So I'm in on it for now. If they sign Geno Atkins and before camp, it's pretty telling about how they view it. Kambiche. But I'm, I've convinced myself that it's going to work and it's a good idea. Dana, I, I, I don't know if I want to make the roster because I'm going to have to spell his last name over and over again in my <laughs> articles. That's going to be, that's going to be a, a bear, but are you buying or selling? Um, I, I admitted this to you guys in our chat and I will admit it publicly now. I completely forgot he was on the team. <laughs> like I was like, oh yeah, hey, did you guys remember that? I, I honestly did forgot. I literally just forgot. Um, I, I don't know. I, I think that... I think that there's probably a 60% chance he makes this team. I think that everything looks good when there's no pads and helmets on, you know, and so it'll be interesting to see if he can carry that over or if he will have enough oomph for lack of a better word to actually kind of get this rolling. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of selling on it. It's just not really. All right. I, that's, that's, a, that's a fair take. Evan, buying or selling? No, this guy's an idiot. I'm I'm on the I'm on the selling <laughs> side of this guy. Trust me. Like he he is. I think um, he's not a wise bet. He's not a wise bet. I think to put it generously. But I do have a related question. Okay. Can I jump in? I just have to I say don't know what Brian thinks. I'm buying. I'm You're buying. buying. Okay. Go on. Uh, do we have any update on Alden Smith's situation? Slash, is he still on the roster? He is still on the roster. He is, I think, I don't know if he's been arraigned yet or whatever. Court dates in July. Court dates in July. The Seahawks have said they're waiting on the the legal stuff to work itself out. Um, Any additional reports on like what happened or clarified? What we, what, I mean, the last I heard was that he was meeting his girlfriend's, or not his girlfriend's, his sister's boyfriend um, who had been physically abusing his sister. And, yeah. and that honestly, not that surprisingly things got heated. Um, and you know, but there's been no new information since that report. Not that I've heard of. Uh, Pete said that he was, wasn't, he was in the, in Seattle, but not ready to practice. Got that it. was the last. It's actually so, pretty quiet. That happened to be my next question. Alden Smith makes the team or is, is on the roster when the, when the team uh, breaks for breaks camp for the regular season or is not on the roster, Evan. I think he is. Dana. I, I, I that's impossible to answer until you get past his court date. Nah, you know, that's the I, whole I know. Okay. Data. So let's just assume that the court date has no impact on it. Can we say that? So like whatever happens in court, it doesn't have an impact. I think he probably does make the roster. Um, does he play the whole season? I don't know. <laughs> because he has tendency to be in trouble mid-season too sometimes. Yep. But um, I think he probably makes the roster if if the legal stuff doesn't get in the way of that. Jeff, I'll say probably not. I hope I hope I'm wrong about that. It'd be exciting if the other two are right. But I think because they have so many bodies there and the potential legal situation, I'd say the odds are against yeah. him. <sighs> I want to say yes, but I'm I'm thinking no. And I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong too. I, I I'd love to see as many pass rushers as they could squeeze on this team as possible. Uh, so yeah. Um, you know what I'm so curious about? I know we were talking about it earlier, but I'm so curious to know what the number comes in at for Jamal Adams. I'm like, what's your, what's your prediction? 
I think it's somewhere between like 18 and 19 per year, like 18.5 seems what I think it will be like current safe top of safety market. I think it's Justin Simmons at 16 per year, 16 mm-hmm. and change something like that. And, you know, uh, Jamal Adams agent will say, you know, I'm not a safety, I'm a playmaker and, you know, I'm more than just good in coverage. I'm, you know, I can rush the passer and blah, blah, blah. I'm a defensive playmaker. At least that's the argument. That's what the argument will likely be. So, um, you know, if, if Bobby got paid 18.5, um, you know, on his third contract with the Seahawks uh, two years ago, are you telling me that the Seahawks wouldn't pay Jamal Adams at least that who's 20, what, 24, 24, 25 years old? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, I know it's totally different positions, but like when you think about defensive value, like. He's the best player on that defense. Jamal Adams. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, are you really not going to pay him more than Bobby? Yeah, I- I'm with you. I- 18 million is a number I've had in my head. I'm, e- I'm expecting to see. Um, it would reset the safety market by a couple million. So you've got that. And it's also entering into the tier of like, you know, defensive, you know, superstar playmakers, regardless of position. So yeah. um, anything under... 20 i think i'd be okay with if it goes somehow 20 or like 20 would be the number i'd be like ah but uh 18 i think i i I could stomach where where about you jeff yeah the number i'd been hearing from people around the league was 18 uh four years 72 million was a prediction from a lot of agents i don't i heard the negotiations are not contentious at all i saw bob condota say that he comfortably predicts they'll sign him before camp. And you remember how Jamal was with the, the, the Jets? Like things got really loud and very messy. And I was sort of expecting that. And it's been quiet so far. Maybe it'll turn that way. But I think that's a good sign. And I think it'll come to the 18. I'm with Brian. If you're over 20, it's a bit hard to stomach. But we don't know how many years Bobby's going to play left. So if you go, where's cap number will go down this year. And then you sort of transition the Bobby contract to the Jamal contract. That's, that's okay. Business. He's the best player on defense. Hold up. Defensive playmakers. Richard Sherman is still unsigned. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm very upset. They haven't signed him yet. I, I literally completely forgot about him. Richard. Cambridge. Really? I bring him up almost every day. <laughs> literally. Yeah. Sherman's yeah. still waiting. There is just prepare for it. There is going to be a point in the season where you're going to listen to the commentators on a, a, a game and they're going to be like, can you believe that nobody signed this guy until like the middle of training camp? Like any of these teams could have had this guy on their roster and they, and they only signed him for 8 million or whatever he's going to make. Like someone's going to get an impact player. He's going to be, he's a pro He's still a pro bowl corner in my mind for sure. Um, especially yeah, in the Seahawks. Uh, what the holdup is from Seattle's perspective? I think they want. I think they like the young guys, and they want to see them in training camp. I think they're going to wait and and see a little bit farther what they've got. And yeah. I don't agree with that. Competition? Why not? There is another story. I know we're running a little short because Dana's got an early early day tomorrow. But um, Dwayne Brown. So Dwayne Brown. It was a semi story. He uh, kind of officially, he was at camp, at OTAs, I should say, but he did not participate. He was on the sideline every day and report came out that he wants a new contract. I believe he's in the last year of his deal. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that any of us had talked about or predicted that Dwayne Brown was potentially a a candidate for an extension. You guys have all been like, hey, he's old. we got to get a new left tackle. I, I do think he can play for a few more years if he wants to play and be better than pretty much anyone else that they could put at that position. So do you guys know how old he is? 35. 36, 35, something like that. He's 35 yeah, years 35. old. Like mm-hmm. he's easily got another three to four years. In he's him. not 37. I know that sounds weird. It's just two years, but it's a huge difference in football world, right? Like 35 to 37 at that position. Like, would you guys really be uncomfortable with like a three-year extension on him? No. Nope. Yeah. Well, that, that's sort of, I looked at it as a positive. I know a lot of people got nervous about it. To me, it's a positive because he wants to keep playing. I know Brandon Thorne has been talking about how good his film was last year. 
and yeah. going into a scheme that is more protective of offensive linemen because of the quick game. And we've seen Andrew Whitworth in the same offense play at, what is he, 39 years old now? Yep. He was playing at a pretty high level last year. So Waldron's been around that kind of left tackle. To me, that's a positive because, like Brian said, a lot of people forget that he is in the last year of his deal. We talk so much about Jamal Adams or Diggs or some of the other guys, but if he decided, okay, my body's breaking down or I don't really want to play anymore, that's a glaring hole unless you think Stone Foresight is a left tackle of the future. So the fact that he keeps wanting to play, to me, I took it as a positive. To me, it's sort of a no-brainer deal, reward a guy who's been by far their best acquisition over the last five years. He has been an insane value for this team. That three-year $34 million deal. Yeah. And that trade really. He's like one of the best left tackles in the NFL. Yeah. That's a stupid value. Well, we, I think somebody said that, that he is still younger than Andrew Whitworth was when the Rams acquired him. Mm. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's wow. Cool. That's surprising. Yeah. Interesting. Where's where Seattle at cap wise? I haven't looked in a while. Supposedly they have like, Eight million in cap space, but dock a couple for IR and practice squad. So like yeah. four or five. Yeah, true. Easily practice, fixable yeah. once we know we all know that that's you know. Maneuver. Next year they have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's mostly to sign their own guys. So yeah. So in the last few minutes, um, any other storylines, broader NFL topics. Uh, other things around the Seahawks, coaches, front office, anything else that folks want to uh, to bring up before we start wrapping wrapping for the the evening? Well, I, there was another name that came up in extension talk, and that was um, Diggs. Okay, and there was a conversation that people thought that that there was a lot of people out there. They're like, you know what? If they were smart, they would do that sooner than later. Um, but that really starts to pile up these contracts quickly because then you have what DK next year or is he two years out? I can't remember. Um, and he's got so, two years left on his deal, including this year, but after the end of the season. Yeah. yeah. So I I'm wondering, I'm wondering who's going to end up at the bottom of that pile. It, how I know there's a huge jump in cap next year. I know they have lots of money next year to play with. And so is there enough to shuffle all these players that they might want to keep and, and players that are good enough to keep? And you guys know I'm a big fan of, of Diggs. So, you know, I, I think that's great. Um, I would like to keep him around, but I, I'm wondering if there's going to end up being an odd man out with all these people, with all these players they need to look at extensions for. Um, and maybe that's why KJ isn't back because they would, maybe he wants more than a one-year deal. Maybe he wants two, you know, or whatever it may be. I, I just find it interesting that these names keep getting piled onto this, this stack of contracts. Adams obviously is at the top of that. And I think we all know that and understand it, but then at what level and who becomes the more important piece at that well, point? Well, let's ask it this way. Um, Jeff and Evan, would you be would you be happy to hear that the Seahawks had signed Diggs to an extension or would you, and, and I know the number matters, but just the general concept, knowing that they're roughly what he'd cost. Would you be happy to hear that they signed him an extension or would you be a little bit nervous? Jeff, why don't you start? I'd be happy based on the defense they play. They play a ton of deep coverage with the, the, the free safety and the middle coverage of the free safety is just a sign when they didn't have it, their defense just broke down. Mm-hmm. And if they had a different coordinator and a different coach, I would think differently. But we saw what happened in the Tedrick Thompson years. And mm-hmm. when they had Earl playing at a high level and Diggs is one of the better deep safety cover guys. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to wrap him up. I think he's a really important locker room guy. I don't think he's going to get worse over the next couple of years. I think he's still in prime age. So to me, I'd be pretty happy. I think I lead happy as well. And, and the one thing I'll say is I don't think he would cost as much as people think. Yeah. Like, like I, I think it'd be under 10 per year, like seven, eight, nine, maybe like that, that would seem worth it in like a reasonable value for him. So adding to what Dana said, there is a ton of, so if you think about it, both safeties are up after next year, both tackles are up after next year. And there's some other positions where I think Dana nailed on the head. That's why KJ Wright's not coming back. 
they need to find young, cheap options on the roster because they have a lot of people to pay. DK Metcalf included is about to jump up to $20 million a year. So now KJ Wright has been replaced by Jordan Brooks on a rookie contract, essentially, and Daryl Taylor on a rookie contract. They want those unique guys like that to counteract the big expenditures they have. And they, John Everett's a free agent after this year. Dunlap uh, in a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Disley, I think Disley's up. I think both tight ends are up. Uh, Puna's going to come up in a year. Dunlap is coming up in a year. They have a lot of expenditures coming up. So they need some of these draft picks to work and they need both their linebackers now are their first two picks from last year. So. I think Daryl Taylor is going to end up starting at Sam linebacker. Yeah, that was the other story for camp. We didn't we don't have to get go deep there, but there is pretty positive reviews. Um, you know, uh, Pete Carroll has a vested interest in pumping him up, but was just like, I think one of the comments that that landed for me as authentic was like, you can see why this was a guy that we really missed last year. Mm-hmm. And I think in that comment for me was like, yeah, this guy's he's got talent. Like this guy's a talented player and the Seahawks can be better with him on the field. And so we never got to see a single snap of that guy last year. We have no idea what he's going to bring. And oh, but, but what, what was that? Wait, what was that? Al Althon sports or whatever. They were, they <laughs> ranked the Seahawks super low because Daryl Taylor could have played better. He could have played better. He could have played it all. That would have been great. How did that get published? I have no idea. Oh my god! I used to read that stuff. I used to look forward to. I was little Brian M. Hauser. Was like, <laughs> I'd, I'd go to like the grocery store, or the Seven Eleven. I'd see those. I would like buy all of those like preseason mags and read like the little stuff of those talks. And they were always so stupid. And <laughs> and I think that like to some extent, this whole podcast is here because of how stupid those things are. Like I was so <laughs> mad about the crappy national coverage. It, like it for it, it helped form my point of view about national media and uh, why bloggers are significantly better in most cases because they actually care about the outcome for the team and they actually pay attention and go into some detail about why, or at least the good ones do. So thank God for Athlon Sports. We need we need crappy, crappy crap out there to uh, you know, make the rest of it stand out a little bit better. All right. Um, so covered a, a lot of bases i am so excited we, we 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 are have already started making our travel plans as a group for when we are going to like watch games together like um i don't think it's going too far to say like we'll, we'll almost all other than dana because she'll be in someplace better but we'll probably all be in arizona uh come january i think that there's a lot of seahawks fans planning to go to texas for some god awful reason i don't you just know. do it you have no idea what you're missing that i, I people can die. first of all we're gonna win and second of all they have the best tailgate i've been to a lot of away games living in the middle of the country and that stadium is beautiful and the tailgate is a blast i have a great time every time i go to houston Dana, so. that is like the last game Go to LA. It doesn't matter for for the new stadium there and LA. Better, like, better prices, better better city. Go to Green Bay. Hundred percent better experience. Great, great. Uh, fuck. I'm not yeah, going. We'll, we'll get to see Jordan Love. Wait, do we exactly. play the Packers this year? Yeah. God damn it! Like coldness. Jordan Love. It's, it's no, but Evan, you're missing it. We're gonna play the Packers without Aaron Rodgers, and we're Wait. gonna play the Saints without Drew Brees. Like it's not the same NFC that it used. When to. is the Packers game though? Is it early in the year or is oh. it yeah, week ten? Week 10. It'll it's be after. Middle of dead gas winter. You all want to go to Green Bay in November. No. <laughs> Bro, guys, go to Minnesota instead. Green Bay is gonna be like 25 percent of my temperature right now. Sorry. That's great. <laughs> Like Pittsburgh looks pretty different than it did a year or two ago. It It was so close to, okay. So, okay. Get this, Jeff. My best friend is getting married and I'm the best man in the wedding on the day of the Pittsburgh Steelers game. And it's in Columbus, Ohio. I almost told him I was leaving the wedding. wedding (laughs) Bro. I, I even mentioned it. I was like, we can't really can't move this. Like, I love that you asked them to move their wedding. That's it was not that far out. I uh, mean, it's it's like okay. I guess it's only like four months out, but still, like yeah, it's a Saturday. That is hilarious. You know how much of a crush uh, there is right now on wedding planning. Like, is like 
everybody held up their weddings for for the pandemic so just every place wedding photographers are just rolling in money right now i'm trying oh, to get everyone God. to go to houston because there's a bunch of us going to houston including evan evan said he would come yeah, so you come on brian know. suck it up no, suck not it up gonna happen not not where i'm gonna spend my time um but i'm excited for you oh, all to, to go and enjoy it so um all right anything else i was gonna wrap here Jeff, you look like you're about to say something. Did I cut you oh, off? I was just looking when they're in Houston. Anytime I can get out of the winter, that's not a terrible idea. Sons of four. You're going to be all by yourself in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never all by myself, even with the times I fair. wish I was. That's fair. <laughs> so, all right, everybody. It's been great to be back. Tons of awesome Seahawks uh, news to go through. And when does, can someone look up when does training camp start like end of july usually right 28th i think 28th of july and we don't right yet in. know we don't yet know if they're gonna actually open it up for fans to attend i'm guessing the answer will be no but man, the chiefs I hope, did i hope they open it I up they will i hope they open it up um that would be so great uh and if they do you know where to come to find uh, all the latest uh, info on that um and until then by the way i think some people are probably wondering uh, so patreon.com slash hawk blogger got a lot, a lot of people have signed up, get immediate access to the Slack channel. I've talked about our been meaning to make our charitable donation, uh, talked with, uh, Tracy Schneider and, uh, John, and they're going to officially do, it's not going to be the same fundraiser as always. So I won't be able to do as much of the fun stuff as I'd hoped to do this year, but we will be making our donation at the end of July and I'll announce, uh, what that will be. Um, when we do it, I'm going to have, have some lunch with them and, uh, I will not be able to divulge any of the secrets I get from that conversation, but, uh, I am looking forward to it and, uh, uh, we get, all get to do great stuff together. So I really appreciate everyone that tunes in everybody that we all appreciate you subscribing, um, sharing, uh, the podcast with other folks and, uh, join in at patreon.com slash Uh, the season's just around the corner. So, Great to talk to all of you. Great to see all your smiling faces. And uh, as always, go Hawks.